Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Welcome to Honey Do Me, a podcast that goes into the bedroom and beyond. Hosted by Emma Norman and Cass Anderson. Here at Honey Do Me, we don't have all the answers. So we chat with experts, educators, and badass changemakers to get them. We are here to remind our listeners and ourselves that what we're going through is normal. That we are worthy of love and pleasure. And that we are all in this together. So tell us, honey, how do you do you? We've been singing that not. Oh, I've been singing it at you nonstop. (laughs) I've finally chosen to reciprocate. (laughs) Except I don't know the center part. I just know that. And then um, three's company, two. That's all. (laughs) So you fill it in the middle. Yeah. Just let us know what those words are. I guess I could. That's Google. But (laughs) what? You're not supposed to ask things that you can Google. Yeah. That's what my sister says. She's posted on people. <laughs> like she'll see people's statuses or like whatever on Facebook. <laughs> and um, well, she's done it before. And she's like, you can Google that. Or she'll put a link to Google. <laughs> Just a link to Google. Yeah. If the <laughs> post is like a really dumb question. that <laughs> I like that. It was funny for a time. She's also sassy, but I like it. <laughs> but we appreciate that here. Yeah. It's an energy we love. Support. And so speaking of Facebook... Um, being disconnected from our bodies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, it's a cast transition. Got it. Um, <laughs> absolutely. So this episode is a little different from anything that we've done before. This is a subject that we were interested in, still don't totally grasp, but that's not our guest's fault. No. <laughs> that's just us. That's just where we're at in our journey. So today we are talking about disconnecting from your body and how that happens and how to regain that connection. Some of the symptoms of disconnection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how that can impact us emotionally and physically and just trying to find that alignment again within ourselves. And I, yeah, I was really interested in this topic because like it's totally easy i feel like especially in 2020 world to feel disconnected from a lot of shit so um yes this was a completely unique approach to learning about how you did get disconnected from your body but at this point i'm willing to try just about anything <laughs> at this point just fucking give it to me give it to me because i i've tried everything else <laughs> <laughs> i've tried and failed at literally everything else yeah, yeah. So it did everything feel like it went over my head? Totally. I'll have to re-digest all of this information. Keep learning. Keep yeah. listening. Exactly. Keep growing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> keep reconnecting. Keep breathing. Keep <laughs> trying. <laughs> keep sleeping. Yeah. All right. You get it. Let's talk about our guest. So today on the podcast, we have Maggie Flood. She is a Chinese medicine doctor, acupuncturist, herbalist, somatic sex educator, holistic pelvic care provider, and visceral manipulation practitioner. You don't know any of those words. Neither do we. That's okay, because we're learning. And we get into all of it in this episode. So we're excited for you to listen, excited for you to be confused and learning alongside (laughs) us. Maggie was wonderful. Yeah. And really uh, like a master in her field for the people that she's worked with, and um, which is incredible. Her work is so cool. We just were excited to share it because I'm sure you haven't heard of it. (laughs) Because it's probably new to you as well, unless you are literally in the field. Yeah, exactly. We're going to see you on the other side of this episode. Yeah. And we're going to give you lots of love. So <laughs> I don't know. is that what? Sure. I mean, that's what Cass says. So we'll see you on the other side. Emma agrees. <laughs> she nodded. You just couldn't see. Flipping you off. Can you see that? <laughs> Let's just dive into it then. Would you start out by telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do? 
Sure. Uh, my name is Maggie Flood. I am an embodiment teacher. I do pelvic reconnective work for women. I'm also an acupuncturist and an herbalist. Um, I do somatic work. I do a lot of things, actually. I'm an overqualified being. Um, <laughs> and I do hands-on work and I do online work. I also have a podcast um, where I talk about topics for women's health that people don't want to talk about. And yeah, I've just, I do a lot of things actually now that I'm saying it. Yeah, yeah. that is a lot of things. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I know it was very interesting going through your website and learning about all the things that we really want to get into today because I've never heard of over half of them. So we're really <laughs> excited. So could you tell us a little bit about how you just got into this work? Oh man. Um, yeah, there's a few, I had a few, uh, aha moments throughout my life and career, but I want to say the first, the very first one is, well, not the very first, but one of the first <laughs> aha moments I had was when I was, um, working with a pelvic PT and I was having, I was releasing a lot of emotions during my PT work. Um, and if anyone doesn't know what a pelvic floor PT does, they go inside the vaginal canal, they you know, move some muscles, um, work on scar tissue. And all of this came um, when I was diagnosed with endometriosis. And this was how they prescribed my working with it. Mm -hmm. And while I was at this practitioner's office, I had a lot of uh, release, emotional release, mm -hmm. um, memories, even flashbacks to some things that were really unpleasant. And I, I asked her at the very end, you know, is this normal? And she said, yeah, a lot of people cry. I don't really understand it. And I said, what do you mean you don't understand it? You know, it just baffled me that it was something she couldn't comprehend. And, you know, not to say that she was wrong or bad at what she mm -hmm. did, but she didn't have the wherewithal to understand that there was so much more complexity to the pelvic bowl. And so I kind of went on a journey um, for myself and as a practitioner down this road of figuring out how I could one, become a holistic practitioner that in, includes the whole body in um, my site and in my diagnosis, and then two, a practitioner who does work specifically with emotions stored in the pelvic floor. Um, so that is how I got to be the type of hands-on practitioner that I am. And then the rest of it is, uh, you know, kind of like all-encompassing self, uh, self-work and working with others and that would make a lot of sense to be like have emotions and have so much come up because one someone is inside of you right is that what you're explaining uh, with the yeah. pt and yeah. it's just it's your body it's life it's where you hold you can hold things there you know mm -hmm. <laughs> not it's a, physical it's a everyday items <laughs> it's not like your shopping bag but well, you know what is, i mean though. yeah i mean so if you think about it um we as women we're, we're created to contain and we're created to um we're yin beings yin is compared to yang so we're created to take in and create right so mm -hmm. you take in sperm you create baby right this is how our biology is created so the way that we interact with the world is mirrors that biology so when you take in something and you don't process through it and release it then yes you're going to hold on to it and a lot of that gets stored in the most shame based you know um or what we as assume is shame based centers of our bodies the most powerful center of your body and the deepest part and so we store those things and we carry them forever unless we we work on them i think like that disconnection and, you know, the trauma and the shame. I think everybody has a different story of like getting there, but we don't always have the words for it, right? Like mm -hmm. I think I've been interested in this work for a while, but I haven't always had the word like I'm disconnected from my pelvic area. But for me, like a lot of that has come from my own battle with endometriosis and like my own shame and trauma. And I know personally, I have gotten super, super disconnected. And I think that's different for everyone. But I think that most of us probably are disconnected in one way or another. Oh, um, yeah. And then it's a question of, is it the chicken or the egg? Mm -hmm, you know, right. is it is the the condition what what disconnects you? Do you dissociate from that condition? Or are you dissociated before you get to create that condition for yourself? You know, um, I'm also a very big uh, 
advocate for understanding that disease does not come without responsibility, uh, personal responsibility. And that's not to say that, you know, we should all be walking around saying, oh, it's my disease, not me. Mm -hmm. But we need to learn how to take responsibility for not only physical healing, but emotional healing that, you know, the things that trigger said issues. Definitely. Yeah. Well, I really want to just get into it because we have a lot of questions. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So I guess we could start off by what is it, what does it physically mean to be disconnected from your pelvic region or your body? Yeah. So I work a lot with women who have pain, um, genital pain, vulvodynia, vaginismus, endometriosis, um, any kind of hormone imbalance that causes pain and tension of the pelvic floor. And you know, we can say that it starts with the body, we can say that it starts with emotions or energetics, but wherever you want to start, um, the we have the physical representation of dissociation, or um, maybe not even, that's not even the best word, but there's a physical representation of disconnection, which is, um, you know, physically manifested disease. Mm-hmm. And then there are the disconnections that come in a lot more of a subtle way, like, you know, if you zone out while you're having sex, and this is just something that you've always done, this is also, you know, an avoidance of feeling. And we're not created to, you know, to to disconnect from that way. We're, in fact, we're created to sink deeper into our pleasure and into our pleasure centers and our genitals. And I think that for a lot of women, the inability to orgasm with a partner or with oneself, um, the inability to become aroused. Um, yeah, we can chalk that up to hormones or whatever, but we can also say, hey, is this, where's that place that you go? You know, what is that thing that shows up for you when this thing happens? And what does it feel like? And for most women, it's, I need to get away or I need to not feel this. It's shameful or it's going to hurt or whatever. Um, so those are a couple of different ways that, you know, that disconnection shows up. It's really great to hear concrete, I guess, ways that or examples that you're saying, because I think it's hard to understand what disconnection from your Mm -hmm. body or from your pelvic area would mean to someone that's not super familiar with the work. So it's great to hear somewhat common examples of how you can be like, oh, maybe this is what that means. And this is now the work that I need to put in. Right. And, you know, people come to talk with me online, work with me online or work with me in person for all kinds of reasons. Um, And I think that for every person, it's different. You know, some people are more the energetic type and they're like, I just feel disconnected from myself sexually. Or some people, um, they're going through a certain life change that they want. They feel they need to reconnect with themselves in order to fully comprehend. You know, as women, we go through these these phases and every phase has um, a characteristic to it that if we don't fully process it, then yeah, we can hold tension and yeah, we can create disease for ourselves quite easily. So I, I consider women and women's bodies to be the processors of the emotions of the world. And maybe that's a social construct, but I also feel like physically we take in and we put out. And if we aren't throughout our month, our monthly cycle, taking in and then releasing properly, then yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get backed up with all kinds of garbage. Mm-hmm. Right. Would you say that it's more common to be disconnected than it would be to be connected, like in our current world? Yes, I would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know one woman who doesn't need some sort of pelvic reconnective work or genital reconnective work. Um, and and that's not to say we're all broken, but what we are is disconnected from who we are and the birthright that we were born to to contain. And that is to be a deeply yin, uh, deeply emotional being. You know, we, we are created and thrive in a society um, that does not respect that feminine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's when I say feminine, when I refer to that, I'm referring to that biology and that cyclical behavior that we are created to encompass. So, you know, socially constructed norms are, of course, going to teach us that we should not be in our bodies and we should not be um, feeling pleasure or, you know, we should not be advocating for ourselves. So 
Yes. I would say the short <laughs> answer is yes. Yeah. To me, like everything you're saying is amazing. I love it all. But what I'm really getting is this idea that, you know, being disconnected really means that we aren't able to like reach our full potential and to like specifically in the realm of pleasure as well. Yeah, that's yeah, really absolutely. I mean, there's so much that we can achieve um, just by being in touch with our sexuality. Um, and and this isn't, it's not always about sexuality. And I, I talk a lot about sex because it's the, the energy that we have that's available to reconquer. But I think that, you know, it's looking at the depth and the emotional complexities within every aspect and every life phase. Um, you know, motherhood is sexual. Um, menarche is sexual. All these things, they're sexual, mm-hmm. re- they're sexual occurrences that happen in a woman's life. And, and we're walking through without being connected to that as a, se- you know, as a sexual being. And um, I think it just retaps into your power, you know, just, just, your creativity, your intuition, all of it's connected. Definitely. And I want to get into a little bit more about like how we get disconnected. But before that, could you paint a picture for what it looks like to be connected so that people can get <laughs> a good idea of what we're, what we're working for? for? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, and I want to, I want to reiterate too, that it's never perfection and it's not a picture mm-hmm. of perfection, right? So right. to have, to be connected and to be embodied, there, those are moments that you come in contact with throughout your life. Um, for everyone, it looks different. You know, and it really depends on what your perception orientation is, you know, with your body. Some people are more energetic beings who really feel, you know, the the energy of everything and nature. And some people are really like more solidly embodied and really feeling sensation. And some people are, you know, more intellectually processing. So I think that it looks different for everyone, but really what it is, is it's a moment of clarity. It's a moment of pure happiness in whatever you're experiencing. Um, And it's also curiosity. So I teach a lot about how to stay curious with your sensation um, and coming back to the body. And it's not, you'll never be, I don't think as conscious beings will ever be fully connected mm-hmm. because we're created for interconnection. Um, but I do think that, you know, we have these moments where we can come back to our animal bodies and it's, it's a series of those moments and it's a practice really. Definitely sounds like I'd need a lot of practice. I'm not going <laughs> to, <laughs> um, but I really like thinking about it as like curiosity too. Cause I don't think I've ever really been curious necessarily when I'm having sex or, you know, just mm-hmm. with myself. It's like, it's kind of mm-hmm. just something I'm going through the motions of, and that can be very passive and disconnected feeling for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. So can we talk a little bit too, you've mentioned a few of them, but other ways that like how we get to disconnected from our body is it, are we born to be con- like needing to learn how to be connected or is it something that things happen and then we get disconnected? Well, um, it kind of depends on how you look at it. So, I mean, we're all human and we all have consciousness and that consciousness takes us into another realm of connectivity with our world. Um, so I think that as humans, we are always going to be straddling this place of connected, disconnected, you know, connected to our animal bodies and then more connected to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that naturally we, you know, have some sense of disconnection and that can actually be a good thing when we're reaching out into the world to, to connect, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but as far as women in particular, the, the way that a woman becomes disconnected over time is really, a lot of it is social construction in my opinion. Um, you know, that's not like a scientific proof, but of course we're years away from getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, if you think about the way that we're taught to be with our bodies, we're taught to give our bodies to others. Um, we're taught that we are, that our bodies actually are there to create a baby and therefore, you know, that's what sex is. Or maybe we're taught that sex is to please our partners. Um, we walk through this life not not feeling like we own our bodies and right. that's that's something that's been given to us mm-hmm. um to contend with and so yeah i think 
truly for women, it's, it's a project. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I would say it's easier to disconnect. Like it makes things bearable sometimes because, you know, if you can't get out of your circumstances or like for me with endometriosis, like it's easier for me to disconnect because it is such a difficult, painful experience Mm -hmm. that like, I don't think I've had the tools to get through it, like connected, so to speak. So I think, you know, talking with people like you is really important and learning this information because it's hard to stay connected. It's hard to want to be connected, I think, sometimes. Yeah, and also realizing the social pressures of what forces you to be disconnected Mm -hmm. and that it's not necessarily just because you haven't put in the work. It's because we're literally grow up in a world that tells us the system is designed (laughs) that way (laughs) mother's day is around the corner and whether you're celebrating your mama grandma guardian or yourself celebrate with the mother of all self-care routines by trying out osea's mega moisture duo this duo delivers a one-two punch in luxurious body care moisturizers with their anduria algae body oil and anduria collagen body lotion both featuring Osea's signature all-natural citrusy scent. I use both the body lotion and the Anduria Algae Body Oil once I get out of the shower, and I use it literally everywhere. This duo is my go-to for feeling glowy and hydrated for literal days, and the Osea Signature Scent is one of my faves because it's not overwhelming, um, but it's like a delicious and fresh smell that just lasts. Since 1996, Osea has been making seaweed-infused skincare that is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat mom to the everyday spa experience she deserves with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code DOOMY at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to O-S-E-A malibu.com and use code d-e-w-m-e for 10 percent off yeah and and we're also um taking in a lot of really awful chemicals that Mm -hmm. no one ever has before um that's going to further our disease and when we have disease um yeah we're going to disconnect even more and i i think um, especially if you think about it too, and I, I think about this a lot with endometriosis in particular. Um, a lot of these women that I work with with endo have this sense that they need to reach out to be for be there for others, and or um, if they feel this way, they must be broken and therefore not of value. And so a lot of that is finding value in yourself again. And I've always come back to curiosity. You know, like if you're in pain, what what in that that sensation of pain, where in that sensation of pain do you feel pleasure? And I know that sounds crazy because with the searing pain that comes with some of these conditions, you think, you know, there's no pleasure in there, but there pleasure ne- or pain never exists without pleasure and pleasure never exists without some sort of pain. So there's it's becoming curious about your circumstances. I love that. I know like certain, you know, times when I've been especially sick, like obviously most of the time I want to take like my prescription medication, like the doctor has told me to and kind of like numb it as much as I can. But there have been times when I'm like, no, like I really want to sit with this and I really want to see what this is and I want to feel into it. And it's hard. It's a lot harder than taking uh, my medication and just kind of like trying to be a zombie. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I don't know, those have been really powerful moments because I'm like, my body is telling me something, even if it is like to tell me, you know, something's very wrong or there's dis-ease. But yeah, it's definitely my body still communicating with me, even though I would like it to communicate in a softer way. (laughs) But this is my journey. So So is conditions like endometriosis and, you know, that physical pain that we're feeling that some people feel, um, not me, <laughs> um, the structural pain that you refer to on, I saw on your website, cause there's structural and emotional pain. Um, so are those mm-hmm. conditions kind of what you more refer to as your structural pain? Yeah. I need to change some of that. <laughs> it's been so long since I wrote any of that stuff and I, I have now 
I'm doing a lot of different work with um, visceral manipulation now and understanding a lot um, more in depth the connections of the fascia and tissues in the body. Um, but yeah, so if if it's a question of physical pain, I mean, very often, I suppose, are you asking if it's like what the difference is between the physical and the emotional or are you asking? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so like how to tell the difference? Yeah. Okay. Sure. So I, I suppose like if you have a flare, a flare up, right? Mm-hmm. You can always kind of go back to that original moment and ask yourself, was there some sort of emotional trigger that set this off? Um, when you go into the experience of having pain, you can, you, you can make the space for yourself while you're in pain instead of to, you know, take medication and get away from it as much as possible. You can actually just take a moment to ask yourself, what is this pain making me feel? What does that look like inside the rest of my body? How is my body reacting? Like, you know, like, Mm -hmm. i.e., do I want to ball up my fists and fight Mm -hmm. or do I want to, you know, so we can go down that road with our bodies and, and ask our bodies to tell us what kind of reaction do I need to have in this very moment in order to release the, not necessarily release the pain, but in order to release the reaction. Mm -hmm. So all of that put together can kind of show you how they're both connected. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Cause I, when I feel pain, I love being angry. So (laughs) I immediately get angry emotions, but it, I can't separate them. So it's, it's a good reminder to kind of like take a look at what it is I'm feeling and realize which is a kind of emotional and which is actually my pain mm-hmm. and then work right. on my anger. <laughs> well, the thing is they both come together for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're having a reaction to your body being in pain, ask yourself, am I directing anger at my body? And if so, what, you know, like, what does that feel like? Can't, how can I allow my body to react to that anger? And thus actually, a lot, like, it's kind of like walking hand in hand with your body instead of being angry at it. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. And then there's other things you can do too, as an acupuncturist, I would say definitely, um, massage your liver area. Oh, okay. <laughs> and cause the liver has everything to do with anger. Um, and I've had women in, with endometriosis flare ups come into my office and they're in so much pain and we start to do liver work like just working on the liver on that it's it's under the rib cage on the right side so if you can just do a heat pack on the liver um castor oil anything to help that move Mm -hmm. that can help release some of that anger oh great my liver work (laughs) (laughs) sounds like we both need to do some liver work yeah i would love to get into the emotional stuff a little bit more as well maybe not even connected to chronic pain but how you know emotional or traumatic experiences can cause us to disconnect from our pelvic area as well could you talk a little bit about that yeah so um really kind of depends on what you consider trauma you know there is there's a lot of talk around childhood trauma, childhood adverse experiences and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, though, I, I think the word trauma might be overused, and that's just my opinion. But um, when it comes to, like, a, a severe assault, of course, you're going to have, you know, part of your brain is telling your body to dissociate. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, then it's going to be too painful to be in that moment. But when we're talking about something about, you know, like adverse experiences, um, that could even come in the form of, you know, being a kid growing up in a very religious household and, you know, in continually internalizing these messages of my body is bad, my body is shameful, my body is gross, right? Don't touch Mm -hmm. yourself there. Don't be present with that. Um, Sorry, I'm going on a, a tear and I totally forgot what the original question was. No, I really like where you went with it. Just talking about how, you know, emotional pain or um, traumatic experiences can lead can. to dissociation okay, or okay, disconnection. Yeah. That's yeah. what I thought I was going. I really That's liked where I, you went. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I mean, so basically what I'm saying is that there's so many different types of these experiences that can that can bring us away. Trauma mm. has its own you know, scientific and psychological, um, 
studies. And the way that the body reacts to trauma is very specific. Um, and it really, it does. Like we, we do, we go into fight, flight, or freeze, and sometimes fawn. And these are experiences that we have during these traumatic moments so that, you know, the body, that, that's what happens to any animal when they're met with, you know, a trauma like that. So that's the animal body. And a lot of us, we internalize shame around those experiences. If you go into fight, flight, or freeze, um, you go, you have these shameful, um, these uh, shameful connections to that process. So like I I went into, I froze, right. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do anything and that's shameful. And so then we kind of compound on that. So yeah, all of those experiences can internalize. Um, And again, with, you know, those, the, the small, um, I wouldn't call them traumas, but social cues that we pick up on and internalize when we're children and we can't call, I, I personally refuse to call them trauma, but I would say that those things do accumulate and cause us to disconnect over time. It really sounds like, you know, disconnecting is a coping mechanism, right? Maybe not like the best coping mechanism, but it's kind of what we're given. Yeah. I mean, the animal body does that too. If you ever, um, if you're ever watching like a nature show and you, you're seeing like a gazelle running away from a, a lion, as mm-hmm. soon as the lion is gone, the gazelle shakes it off and goes right back to eating. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what the animal body is meant to do. We're meant to like, we're meant to um, shake it off and settle back down into a, a parasympathetic state. We're not meant to continually ride the sympathetic nervous system wave and be triggered all the time. Mm-hmm. But as humans, we have kind of transcended that animal body. And so when we don't sink back into that animal body and let what it has to do happen, then we can't move past it. Um, and that's where a lot of, you know, somatic experiencing comes into play. And um, yeah, there's that's where trauma therapy comes into play mostly. But yeah, there's, there's so much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's the, the world of trauma and traumatic experiences is pretty deep. Right. And you said fight, flight, or fawn. I don't know what the last one means. Mm. Fawning is, is like um, when you have a captor and to fawn is to kind of, um, I keep wanting to say the word groom, you know, like mm-hmm. to, to appease. Mm-hmm. It's like appeasing in the situation. So, so like uh, if in the case of rape, for example, um, or, or like kidnapping someone like kind of appease. I mean, that's an extreme example, right, but like right. there's an appeasing of the kidnapper, right? It, there's like a, the word fawn is really to just kind of like lay back and simplify the situation. And so there's, there's a mm-hmm. lot of ways that that can show up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to say for the most part, that's, that kind of goes into a relational you know, um, when it comes to humans, I, when I, when I hear about that, it's, I'm like, that's a, that's a relational thing in terms of like our immediate responses, I think are a lot more fight, flight, or freeze. If I'm correct, again, Mm -hmm. I'm not a psychologist, so I don't, I I can't exactly speak to that, but I know that I want to say when I'm doing body work with somebody, the first responses, if they feel traumatized around the, their genital area or their pelvic area is to freeze or to start thinking of something else or, you know, to get angry. And so there, there are responses that I feel tend to be more, um, show up more frequently. Wow. I'm, I'm just taking it all. Yeah. It's a lot, but it, it all makes a lot of sense. It's just crazy how interconnected and complex this can become and then manifest in your body. And it's just not things that you necessarily think about. Well, yeah, I think a lot of these things, like we are all experiencing them, but then it, we don't have words for them. I think I said that earlier, but we really yeah. aren't given these words to describe what we're going through. And so I think a lot of us normalize it and it's like, oh, that's just the way it's supposed to be. Like that's supposed to hurt or I'm supposed to not think about that or I'm supposed to just kind of go numb in that situation. Yeah. Well, these conversations aren't happening, you know, Mm -hmm. where you're talking to people who are understanding or study that type of pain and that type of response in the body. And that's just not commonly heard or talked about. 
So if you're experiencing it, you're just like, oh, this is just normal then. Mm -hmm. And that's just what I have to live with now. But you're not under like no one. I don't understand how, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. just crazy things in our past and with our emotions and whatever can really impact. Yeah. And there's things out there that we're not even thinking about, like um, Mm -hmm. birth control. Birth control, I I find to be extremely disconnecting. Um, If anything, it's like the the worst, Mm -hmm. (laughs) in my opinion, because working, I've actually had experiences with working with women who are on birth control, who have a lot more trouble feeling their body. And then when they come off of it, they have a lot easier of a time feeling. Mm -hmm. And it really is a disconnect of mechanism. And that's not to say anyone's bad for taking the pill, but I really hope that one day we can move beyond that particular, you know, mechanism or therapy Mm -hmm. because it's just awful for the body. Right. Well, it's so often given somewhat mindlessly or Mm -hmm. the dosages are given mindlessly like, oh, this is happening. Add more like. And it's prescribed for things other than birth control because we don't in like the Mm -hmm. Western medical system, we don't have other solutions. So I'm there. I'm constantly told by doctors I need to go on birth control Mm -hmm. and I've tried it and it doesn't work for me. And literally at this point, like, you know, they're wanting me to go on birth control again. And I, it's just covering up my symptoms Mm -hmm. and I'm really tired of putting a bandaid on it. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's a, not to be repetitive, but it's a symptom, Mm -hmm. right? And you have a symptom and there's a symptom of a disconnect in the Western medical model. So it's all symptom based. If you think about it, um, it's, it's such a linear way of dealing with issues and health issues in particular. Mm -hmm. And we're not linear women's health. Women are not linear beings. We have our hormonal cycle is meant to, to be respected and to, we were meant to rest at particular whole weeks throughout the month. We're meant to, and we don't have a system that is respecting that cyclical cycle, that cyclical uh, way of living. We have a very linear perspective in the world. It's, you know, I hate to use the word patriarchy because it's not my favorite, um, but it's, it's a very masculine, right? Mm -hmm. Very masculine world we live in. I would like to ask, I feel like it kind of connects. Maybe it goes in like a different direction, but can people with penises also be disconnected from their pelvic area? Like does this system also? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone's disconnected sexually, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was trained originally to work with men too. Um, but I choose not to because it's just not my life path. Um, but there are people out there who help men um, to reconnect to their pelvic floor, to reconnect to their sexuality. And I think actually it can be extremely helpful um, for men to go and do this work because to, the more that you come back into your body, the more in touch you are with your actual needs and emotions. I mean, that's healing the masculine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. I think everyone needs somatic sex education. Yeah. <laughs> so then with regaining that connection, besides more sex education, <laughs> what is our, like our first step to starting this process of reconnecting? Mm. Um, well, I guess it depends on what your situation is, right? Right. So if you're somebody who has trouble orgasming or um, being present during sexual experience, then your first um, chore would be, the chore is not a right word. Um, (laughs) Homework, assignment. Your first homework (laughs) would be to to really um, do some vulva gazing, map yourself, you know, like touch around in a clock, like circle around your vulva and really experience what those sensations are are and and this isn't really it's not really even about masturbation or about pleasure at this point it's just what is that sensation right. okay and what is that sensation okay and really taking the time to focus on that um and actually that's probably first step for a lot of people many people um of course if there's chronic pain, then there's, there might be another first step, but Mm -hmm. if we're just talking about a general disconnection, yeah, it it would be 
touching yourself and making notes and journaling about it, you know? And that's just doesn't happen that often. Like I think we've talked about that in past episodes because we've gotten that homework from other people where it's like, just look down there, just, Mm -hmm. you know, investigate. And we've both been like, wow, we haven't done that in years or ever. Mm -hmm. And it's just important to understand what's going on. Well, remember the last time you did that, you were probably a little kid. Right. And the, the little kids don't have the internal shame that we do. Um, they're still collecting that beautiful shame. Um, <laughs> but if you think about what do what do little kids, what are little kids? Little kids are pure curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we bring curiosity back into our experience with our bodies, then, you know, we can really start to feel and, and I, I have had so many instances where if I'm even uh, online work, you know, it doesn't even have to be hands-on work where people come back to me and they say, I never knew that that felt that way, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that was just because I recognize it as not a good feeling or not a bad feeling. I mean, just that simple bringing curiosity into every moment of your life is healing. Definitely. Are there like lifestyle, like general lifestyle changes that you would recommend to people who feel like generally disconnected? Like mindfulness kind of practice techniques? Mm. Yeah. I mean, so being an acupuncturist, I I remember being in school and and they would tell us like, tell all your patients to meditate, meditate, meditate. And I... I hated that advice. (laughs) I always felt like a dweeb giving that advice (laughs) because it's no one listens to you. Everyone's like, sure, whatever, you know, like no one wants to sit and meditate. And, you know, um, I think that if you have found a, a place where meditation is really great for you, that's amazing and keep doing that. But I know for the most part, the majority of people feel like frustrated by meditating. Mm -hmm. Um, and I want to, offer the reminder that a good lifestyle change is simply to find meditation in random moments throughout your day um, and bring it back to the body. So if you're thinking about this being a mindfulness practice, right? If you're in the shower, um, you can feel different drops will have different temperatures, right? And you can feel what it feels like to have the water run down through one part of your back. And you can you can lay in bed and have a moment where you can just generally just do this waking up, do it before you go to bed. And you don't, it doesn't have to be genital. It can just be a sensation on your skin. You know, Mm -hmm. it can be anything, but bringing it back to sensation is a mindfulness. It is a meditation. So when I tell people to meditate, it's usually like take a feather and run it around your skin. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that might be kind of strange to have something to incorporate, but it really does bring you back into your body. Um, that and mindful eating, I think is also a really great practice for everyone to incorporate. Um, that's, I've slipped out of that one for sure this month. (laughs) I practiced some of that in a stress and management class, stress management class in college. And it was just so interesting. They like passed out snacks, which would never happen in today's COVID world. (laughs) But, um, and we just practiced mindful eating, which is just being aware of what you're putting in your mouth, how it feels, how it tastes and like taking your time with it. And it was very relaxing and like really cool, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's It stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system. And what that is, is rest and digest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, but the thing is, our animal bodies are created to for outside stimuli. Our animal bodies are created to respond to stimuli. So if you're actually focused on what you're eating, you're responding. Your body will start to respond to that. If you're not focused on what you're eating or what you're doing, then, you know, we won't respond in a proper way. Eating gets very mindless for me. So (laughs) especially when it's at midnight. We've all been there. Yeah. (laughs) Could you tell us a little bit about what a session with you looks like? Like how obviously it's going to be different for every person, but maybe just an idea of what one of them looks like. Sure. So, um, online session or in-person session? (laughs) Ooh, maybe let's do online just because. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because an in-person session is probably easy to, to figure out. Um, there's a lot of embodiment practice in the hands-on work, but online, um, I've, I feel like I've gotten better with the online stuff through this year, through this COVID, uh, junk. So I think that, 
basically, again, it depends on what someone's in need of. But if we're talking about like a simple reconnective session, it would look like a body scan. And when I say body scan, it's like feeling every little bit of yourself, just sitting there and feeling what it feels like energetically, physically, emotionally to be in your body. And then from there, we go into reconnective work that kind of it's embodied. So what it is, is when you're in your body, when you're truly feeling your body after being talked through like a body scan like that, you're in a state of fully feeling and and that can feel like a little hypnotic. Um, it can feel expansive. And so when you're having that facilitated for you, um, a lot can come up and out. Um, and so what I do personally, and this is just, just me because um, it's something that I do, but I connect my nervous system to what's happening with the person um, on the other side of the screen and so that I can feel too, not necessarily in my body, but I can I sense what is happening for that person and then we can talk our way through it. Um, so sometimes emotions come up and then when that happens, generally people try to shut them down and we'll work through them. But generally we try to stay in that zone of pelvic bowl. Um, sometimes it becomes more of like, you know, a psychic reading and sometimes it becomes more of an energetic feeling reading. And so it can go so many different ways. Well, that's completely different than what I thought it was. So that's awesome to hear about. And then when you're in person, even though that might not be for a while, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, I'm back to work. Oh, you I'm, are? Nice. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's I've great. Been back to work like since May. It's been great. <laughs> oh, awesome. So then you also offer acupuncture. And what are, what are the things you do in person again? Um, I do visceral manipulation. I do acupuncture and herbal. I make herbal um, formulas for people to help them you know, kind of climb back into sync with their cycle. So I make like a formula for the luteal phase, the follicular phase, uh, the menstrual phase. Um, and I do, I do all that. I make essential oil, uh, topicals for people like, you know, based on their constitution, their body type. Mm -hmm. So I do all kinds of things. Could you tell us quickly what visceral manipulation is? <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, so visceral manipulation is a very, it sounds deep, but it doesn't have to be deep. It's, it can be a very light um, way of working with the body. So it's, it's technically a body, a manual therapy. But what it is is finding where there are pretty much, I wanna, I'll just call them adhesions in the body or mm -hmm. stuck parts of the fascia and finding those parts uh, through various techniques and then working to very gently um, work with the body in pushing it towards the direction it wants to go. So it's like a very gentle, um, corrective um, way to deal with the fascia that connects all the organ systems. And if you don't know what fascia is, it's kind of like cellophane that wraps around everything, right, to keep everything together. Because mm -hmm. what we don't realize is that the body has its own um, ways of of ticking like a clock. So like every organ system, every organ has motility. It moves, not just with your breath, but it moves, it has its own motility. So we work with that. I love it. There's so many things, so many ways to reconnect. Yes. I love mm -hmm. that. Definitely. Well, yeah. we have reached the great part in our episode where we like to do homework for honeys. where we talk about one actionable step we can all take to start incorporating what we talked about today. So Maggie, would you do the honor of assigning some homework for our honeys? Yes. So I'll skip the part where we talk about being reconnected with the genitals because I know that for a lot of people, that's kind of not where they are, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I would say is to find two or three objects, maybe like household objects um, that have interesting texture to them and then set those up and then bring yourself into just a moment of Zen and feel your body. It doesn't have to be a full meditation. Just kind of pay attention to your breathing, how you're sitting um, and then come back and just pick up one of those tools and run them across your skin. And while you're doing that, just really stay focused on the sensation just the sensation of that object on your skin. Does it feel cold, hot? You know, does it feel um, spiky? Is it, is it hard? Is it soft? And really feel into the nuances of that body sensation. 
And you can do that with however many objects you choose. And at the end of that assignment, at the end of that practice, you'll feel um, a certain sense of something different in your body. And then just pay attention to that for a little bit. And this is a practice I give to a lot of my clients who um, really just want to start the process of feeling into their body, but, you know, doing it themselves is, it can be a little bit challenging. So I really like this exercise. I think it's great and anyone can do it and it's not genital focused, so it's not intimidating. Right. Um, and yeah, I love that exercise. It's yeah. a great one. I love that. It's super accessible. Mm-hmm. I think it's really mm-hmm. important to start somewhere that's accessible because Definitely. the idea of reconnecting with your body is it's a lot. a lot. That's a lot to think about. You might about. not have even known you were disconnected. So. I know. <laughs> to find out you're disconnected and then have to take that journey. Yeah. So, <laughs> I really like that homework. Could you let our listeners know where to stay connected with you, Maggie? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at sacral, S-A-C-R-A-L underscore spaces. Um, my website, which needs a lot of work right now, <laughs> is um, www.sacral-spaces.com. And I'm um, also on Facebook somewhere. If you look <laughs> sacral spaces, um, my podcast is yes. currently is called Sacral Spaces. So you could probably find that on iTunes and Spotify and all that stuff. Um yeah, I'm pretty findable, Beautiful. I think. <laughs> yeah, and we'll have everything linked in the show notes. So Okay, awesome. Yeah, they'll be able to find you. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much to Maggie for being on the podcast today and explaining things that we literally have had no idea about, but it was really great to try a different approach and to look at different parts of being disconnected from yeah, your body. There are so many ways to heal. As always, our goals yeah. are to help us and you have great sex feel good in your body and love yourself and that's a whole mind body spirit thing exactly and there's a million ways to come at that and a million ways to take her down so (laughs) uppercut uppercut (laughs) and thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in today yeah sticking with us yep and if you have a chance, please head over to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe to Honey Do Me means the world to means us. The world. the world. We'll make a song. Yeah. I will. I Emma will write each of you a personal song if you leave a written review. I will. That's Hold me the to new, it. the new uh, gift. Yeah. Free gift. Emma the will write you a personalized gift. song. Yeah. <laughs> to any Christmas tune or Hanukkah tune or whichever holiday that you would like. It doesn't matter what time of year. You You want a St. Patrick's Day song? (laughs) I've got one up my sleeve. (laughs) You know what? Test me. (laughs) Anyways, and if that is not something you're interested in, you could leave us a review just to help us out. Yeah. And if you don't want a song, you can leave that in the review. Yeah. Um, If you want more of us, head to to our website, (laughs) honeydoomepodcast.com, and sign up for our email list. You'll get our 10 favorite sex things and a weekly rundown of what we're up to, what giveaways are coming up. You know, all the goods. All the goods. The good goods. And our goods. Yeah. Eventually, there will be nudes when we get the confidence. (laughs) When we build up that confidence. But talk about a 2021 uh, intention. Am I right? (laughs) Which, next week, you're going to want to tune in because we are talking all about our intentions. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a good one. It really was. It was, yeah, anyway. Yeah. So we'll see you guys soon. We'll see you soon.